0: Do you love racing? Then you've come to the right place. We discuss current topics in most asphalt series, as well as deep dives into the history of racing, race cars, and the drivers. I'm NASCAR driver Derek Cope. I share some of my personal stories, as well as highlighting those people that shaped my career and others. I'm Alicia Cope, and we also take on controversial and engaging topics on many subjects, including NASCAR, as well as tips and tricks that have worked for us in building teams from scratch, keeping relationships, and finding new roads. Hopefully our experiences will inspire you to reach your own goals. Let's get started. Welcome back to Race Theory. This is episode 33 and it's called The Wisdom of Waddell Part 1. So I guess this is an exciting day for me because this is really our first episode that it has a guest speaker, you know, and you know, I know all of our listeners, you know, love the old days and what really, you know, culminated as far as the development of NASCAR and motorsports. And I have the pleasure of having someone who I hold in high regard and, you know, have spent a lot of time talking old times and, and, uh, you know, racing in general and engines, especially about uh, something I dearly love. And his name is Waddell Wilson. Waddell, thank you for coming on today with me thanks for having me Derek yeah well I'll tell you it's uh it's a true a true pleasure because obviously you you know you are a hall of famer you have done so much in this sport uh, in every aspect when you look at it from the standpoint of being a a, a crew chief an engine builder and you know um, working on the race cars themselves and um, every aspect of race car you've touched and you've had so much success and obviously you know that's pretty much put you in the hall of fame with all those things, but the stories and all the things that I think the listeners really want to hear. And my, you know, my reason for doing this in the first place is to create a history or a chronicalization of, of things, you know, not only of my own career and, and racing in general on, on maybe a weekly or a monthly basis, but really diving back into letting some of the true legends of the sport have, you know, an opportunity to tell some of the stories that, you know, maybe not everybody would ever, ever get the chance to hear. So I want to dive right into it. And really, um, I guess my, uh, my first thoughts are, you know, your beginnings, obviously I know a little bit about, you know, your early days, you know, coming from in Miami racing, you know, Hialeah and and Hollywood and, and Palmetto and those places running jalopies, jalopies and racing. And, you know, by racing with kale. I mean, and, or Bobby Allison and Red Farmer, I've heard a lot of stories about those days, but that's where you started, and then you moved on. Can you give me a little insight on, on how that all transpired? Yeah, I was, I had,
1: well, I ended up there in Highly the racetrack one night with a bunch of guys, and, and uh, was watching the race, and I said, dang, I could outrun them guys. And the next day, we're putting a race car together on <laughs> Sunday. It was a Saturday night. So anyway, went out there the first night, and I was amazed, you know, when I got in that car and seen how it went but then i was then it was a learning experience And so i was able to win but then wrecked my old race car and uh i decided to come back home to and whenever i was working at the Ford place and uh the owner he sold out and the guy that purchased it he didn't like me and i didn't like him so i left and and then come to Charlotte looking for work. And while I was in Miami, I was a diesel mechanic, and that's what I was looking for. For two days I looked for diesel for work. Couldn't find anything. And there's a friend of mine who said, Well, why don't you go over to home one moody and ask them for a job? I said, Yeah, that'll be a joke, but I'll do it. I don't have no other options. So I walked in there and Howard D. Art, the general manager, he met me and he said, Can I help you? I i looking for employment. He said, We don't need no help. We're not hiring anybody. I wasn't disappointed because that's all I'd been hearing for two days. So we got to the door, I go, and run into John Holman. He said, I'll help you. I said, well, I'm looking for work. And he said, well, how about I step in my office. And I could tell he was opening his mail. And I was standing in front of his desk. And his... finally, I said, well, after I told him about my racing and all, I said, well, I graduated from Nice, Flawton, Decent College. He looked up at me the first time, he said, Heavy toolbox here in the morning at 8 o'clock. Okay. So I come in, and the first one to run into is the general manager. He's taking, yeah, we're going to put you in the engine room. Okay. So I go in the engine room. Now, he knows nothing, zero, about me. And this guy, Hardro, come a few years ago, come to the Hall of Fame to look me up and tell me the rest of this story that I didn't know about. I thought it was all, all, Awful funny that they put me in the engine room and know nothing about it, but they'd give me jobs that, and you know, it was pretty precise doing And I think, well, okay, I'm a perfectionist. So I'll make it as perfect as I can. And this went on for two or three months. And the guys in the engine room, they were checking me when I'd go to lunch or break or whatever. They'd check everything I was doing. And finally, Lee Terry was over the engine room. He said, there must be something special about him. We can't find no mistakes he makes. Then, then I was on Fireball's pit crew, and then that was in 63, and then at the end of the season, Moody and Lorenzen come to me and said, we want you to be the jack man on Lorenzen's car. Okay, I've never jacked a race car, but I can do it. I am very athletic in school. So I was on his car, but in the meantime, really, what they're wanting is, you know, whenever I'd take the engine to the racetrack and learn Pass them out to the four drivers, and uh Lorenzen always, where's your number at? Where's the engine jewels? And he'd always get my engines. And then in '65, we won the Daytona 500. Short and rain race delayed that day. Anyway, then in '68 was Daytona, no '67.
0: Now '65, that's <laughs> that's when Lorenzen won. Yeah, '65 yeah, won the 500, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, but then in '67. We're down there, and Mario was driving one of the company cars, and he was complaining at home because we would down there two or three weeks at that time. Saying Lorenz has got a lot better engine I've got. I I can't keep up with him. So anyway, finally, Mody, or Holman, said, well, you need to build his engine. So I took the engine down there, back and forth at the shop here in Charlotte. And I got down there that morning. I drove through the night. And pull a lot of old tractor trailer in there. It had a, they had a parts place there in the infield, attached to the garage area. So anyway, I went and told Lorenzo his engine. I told Mario his engine. But then, as a few goes ago, he got me in it when they inducted him in the Southern Motorsports Hall of Fame. He said, "Let me tell you the rest of that story about that engine." <laughs> He said, I went to get it with the number you told me. And he said, "They, there was two of them handing out the engines, and they, they didn't want me to take that engine. And he said, I'm taking this engine. So he said, uh, he finally outdone them and got the engine. He said, put that in the car. And he said, first lap around the road track, that thing picked up 400 RPMs. He said, I knew I had them covered there.
0: <laughs> so anyway. Well, yeah. That was, that. that was uh, and that was 67, you said. Yeah. Yeah, right. Go ahead.
1: Anyway. During the race, you know, we had a real good pick crew on the Reynolds car. He did. I mean, he wanted the best pick crew, and normally we was the best. And uh, there was a makeup shift on Mario's car, and we'd beat him out of the pits. And the two ended up that day we're lapping the field and running one and two. And then after those, a couple of them boys knew I built the engine and. Mario's going to say, well, you give him a better engine, he'd give us.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'd do that, but I didn't. But so anyway. That, so Mario ended up winning the race yep. in 67. Right. So you had won with Lorenzen in 65. Right. And then 67 uh, with Mario. Right. Now, Holman and Moody at that time, um, were they involved? Because that's when Ford was really heavily with the GT40 thing, right? And right. How involved was Holman and Moody and you guys at that time when, uh, when they were you know, looking at the Ford GT forty e and Le Mans and all that, what were you guys? Were you guys heavy much of involvement with Ford on that side of it?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, we run four of them, and then uh oh, what's the guy's name in California that had part of them? He always had four of them. His cars normally Shelby, Shelby, yeah, Shelby. 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 Yeah, because yeah. I know
0: you guys. Because at that time, I mean, Holman Moody, you guys had finished one, two, three at day at Daytona, Sebring, mm-hmm. and then. Uh Lamont was that was that
1: sixty six? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was sixty six when one the one Lamont's. Yeah. It was in uh Shelby's car, it wasn't one of our cars. Right. Yep.
0: That was when, any, that was when Ken Miles and the story, uh, all this, that right, Ford versus yeah. Ferrari thing. But but you guys uh you guys were doing engines um, No, no, we didn't no. build
1: engines. I no. took care of the engine. You but, took care of the engine, I got you. Yeah, and I was a front tire changer on the Mario's car. And car. Uh, yeah, when he he drove one of the cars. I got you. But uh, I never was crazy about them for 24 hours. You stand there and you yeah. can't leave. And, you know, they, they got to change brake pads and calipers. And, you know, there's a lot involved in doing that. But anyway.
0: That wasn't your interest, really. At that point, you know, you were more interested in the stock card. You'd had success there. That was your love. And right. you just kept moving along there. Is that? That was it. Yeah. So, okay. So you won Mario, your memorial is 67. And what? Uh, where did you go from there?
1: Okay. Anyway, uh, we, come along to seventy one and that's whenever Bobby Ellison come to drive it. Well in sixty eight and sixty nine we run for the championship. Ford sent us after the championship with David Pearson and we won it in sixty eight and sixty nine. Run all the races. We won a hundred races in those two years. I built a brand new engine for every race and then I was at the racetrack taking care of the engine and I was a front tire changer at the same time. So.
0: Wow. You saw you saw a lot back then. I mean Pearson winning those championships in a row like that, building, I mean, the engines. I mean, well, you guys, you guys must have just worked day and night.
1: We did. You know, we didn't have to, you know, play. We didn't fly very often either. We drove most of the race tracks. I mean, it was a, it was a hardest two years I ever spent in my life in racing. Yeah. Hard to believe the hours I put into it.
0: That's It's amazing. I, nobody in this day and age would fathom that kind of effort and that kind of work and what it took, right. To be, to be winning.
1: I can't imagine I'd done it and I was able yeah. to do it. Yeah, that's amazing. But anyway, we won the championship and then Pearson left and then Allison came in and then 71, that's whenever Bobby won so many races in that number 12 Coke car. Yeah. It, you know, he was an amazing driver, which he is one of the best that I ever worked with and won all those races. And then then he left and, and then uh, Holman shut the racing down and then. You know, we didn't have a car to run out of home and move. So,
0: so when you said Bobby, you know, obviously Bobby was really good at so many facets of the sport, right? I mean, he was a great race car driver. He understood the car itself. I mean, was that a great synergy at that time? What What was your role with with Bobby at that period of time?
1: Well, whenever he come got in the car race, you know, he really didn't change much because you know we pretty much had the car dialed in. Yep, I know. And then won all those races and. I remember we won both Charlotte races, both Michigans. You know, one and one that year. Wow. And uh, I know NASCAR got they didn't like us too much winning the races. And <laughs> I remember I had a carburetor it was at Rockingham. We just won a Charlotte race and come from two laps down and one it. And we're in Rockingham and they take my carburetor away from me. So I called John Hope about. It. He said, "What else? That carburetor legal?" I said. Yes, it is. It beats all the specifications. He said, "Well, if I don't let you run your carburetor, you bring out. The, you can bring a load down the car up, bring it home." Now, hon, let me tell you another thing about John Holman. Working for him, he'd put that big finger his in my chest, and he said, "What else? if, you ever got cheat, caught cheating, I'll fire you." Because he wanted everything on up, up. And he said, "They, you guys are smart enough to win without cheating, Absolutely. which we was and it, and it set as." thing for me and that's something i never got involved in a cheating period
0: right well i think that's that's an that's something of, of you know a character right integrity and character the guy felt like he had you know the right people in place to go out and you should not have to cheat to to win races right i mean that's that's what the ultimate i i think about anybody that's in the sport really ultimately wants right is to do it the right way and do it on your merit
1: oh yeah i never had to look over my shoulder worry about nascar or anything but anyway so, the Gasways was running the garage area at that time. And uh, so when they took the carburetors, and John Holm told me, he said, well, if they don't let you run, bring it home. So I went and asked him are they going to a carburetor back? I said, nope. I said, okay. So we're pulling up on the back of the truck. I told Dan Ford, I said, looks like we're going to get the weekend off. And they come over to me and said, where are you going? I said, John Holm said, bring that thing home if you wouldn't give him a carburetor back. I said, well, let's talk about it. I said, the car talking's over with. <laughs> So they finally did give him a carboy, but I'll never forget we didn't win the race. Yeah. You know, that but anyway, we'd won a, a lot of times, but then that season ended. And then in seventy two, Glenn Wood came to me and he said asked me if I'd build engines for him. And I didn't not well yeah, I'd be I'd be a good deal. So for him and Leonard. So they had A J driving to start the season with and they go to Daytona, they won the Daytona five hundred, then the one on Ontario that race track is not around anymore. Yeah, I loved
0: Ontario. That was my first race track that I ever I carried tires in 1979 for Bill Schmidt, and uh, that was my first real opportunity. Right, I loved Ontario Motor Speedway. That's when Benny ended up winning the race out there, and Earnhardt won Rookie of the Year, and that was really when I first got my chance to go. And then Bill Schmidt went to to Daytona in 1980 and ran that race there, qualified 20th. So. That was kind of like my, my beginning at that time, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead.
1: That's okay. But anyway, they want I built engines all at seventy two for them, and then and then uh, Moody wanted to split off because Moody wasn't with Coleman Moody no more. Ralph mm-hmm. Moody. Ralph, yeah. So, so Ralph
0: left, and that way, was at seventy two, you said, or yeah, at the end of 72. At the end of seventy two, Ralph left.
1: So we then we took a job building engines for Bobby. He was running his own shop you know and had his card so anyway i built angel for him benny parsons and then benny ended up that year winning the championship and then i ended up going to work for lg de witt at the end of that year so and,
0: so that was really like the end of <coughs> your st- tenure at home and moody right, right? so because when that when ralph left and that thing you know kind of you separated you left and that was with lg dewitt and then you said that was 73 you said
1: yeah at the end of 72
0: at the end of 72 yeah so that's really when you leave home on a moody and you now are in the uh you know in the crew chief engine building or, or in, in that area with lg dewitt
1: yeah just yeah building engines you just yeah. building engines yeah yeah for benny and, and bobby right. so then i left uh moody's and then went to uh, Ellerby and build engines for benny and lg DeWitt. And so then, that's
0: where they were located was in ellery where yeah where uh where benny lived right
1: yep. right yeah yeah so anyway won the championship in in 73 and then in 75 you know we're getting ready to go to daytona and uh they come back there and said well we got no stuff you know to build in one brand new engine that's all right so we go to riverside first race in january and Benny came to him with this box of pistons. And I looked at him. I said, Benny, this is drag race pistons. I said, they're a quarter mile, not no 500 miles. <laughs> so anyway, he said, no, nah, that guy swears that they'll work. I said, okay. So I built a brand new engine. And, and that was all we had. We didn't, you know, things, money was tight. So I said, well, we got to have a spare engine. So I got, you know, in 70, they had downsized the engines in 75. Seventy four, I guess it was. So
0: how big? How much cubic inches were were they? Uh, well,
1: to start with, there's three sixty four. Yeah. Then they come down to three three fifty eight. Yeah. So anyway, then you know the crankshaft was what makes the difference the board. You know to make three sixty four cubic inches. So anyway, I we blew up a whole bunch of engines in seventy four because they was. You street parts is always used. Yeah. So I went through all that junk and found enough parts to build an A engine with. The gate to Daytona. I said, I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't give you two cents for this engine. But anyway, I built it. We go to Daytona to the second lap around the race that engine blowed up, the new one. Mm. So now we got that old engine that, that I'd throw together with used parts. They were none of them new. Yeah. So anyway, put that in. We practice qualified and run the one twenty five and fell out and we did we started thirty second in the race and so sure. he's coming down to the latter laps and he's still going. And now all of a sudden uh I remember the Wood brothers was leading the race with David Pearson and something happened to him and now we're leading the race. And I'm thinking, dang, the cubic Kids <laughs> is three fifty eight, what did I put in that thing because <laughs> I wouldn't expect nothing to make an old noise and and blow up. Right. We ended up winning the race, and I'll tell you one thing. I have never seen nobody excited as Benny Parsons. I thought he was going to squeeze my insides out. Yeah. And LG, we had hit was so far beyond his wildest imagination. He didn't even enjoy it because he couldn't imagine winning the Daytona 500. they He yeah. need borrowed money to come down there on.
0: Is that right?
1: So anyway, I'm thinking, how big is that engine? When he was going to final lap to the race, I am got to thinking about that. Because I wasn't thinking about no engine going to Daytona and doing anything. So anyway, they paid me the tire down. So I go in there and I take it apart. And thank goodness it's okay. But I sure didn't worry about it. But that was one of the biggest wins of Daytona that I ever had, period. Yeah. Under those conditions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, under duress, right? You didn't have (coughs) the money. You'd built, you know, something out of nothing, basically, right? right? That was it. And you basically go down there with, no realistic expectations, you know, that you're going to, you know, even be a factor, right? No, and you, then, yeah.
1: I figured by halfway we'd have it loaded up because yeah. the engine's going to come apart, that <laughs> old bore out engine. Isn't
0: that funny how sometimes those things that you think are really are just going to like, you know, expire at some point, just go and go and go, right? And for whatever reason, there, there's no underlining reason why, right? But it's just, you know, just fate, I guess. I don't
1: know. Yeah, it's just God's will for us to win that race Sunday yeah. is all I can say about yeah. that.
0: And Benny, such a great person, right? I oh mean, yeah. I mean, always the most personable, you know, just he was I'm a sure great he was a great man.
1: And you know? so was LG DeWitt. They is were two was, of the finest people I ever worked for. Him. Is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And didn't have a lot of money to work with, but just really yep. had a lot of passion and, and drive and wanted to do it in the wanted to way. do it. Oh yeah. yeah. I think that's something I've always talked about <laughs> on our podcast about, you know, perseverance and and drive and passion, right? You it without without those things, right? I mean, ultimately, you know, it will be your demise, right? I mean, you have to love this to really put what it takes to get there and be proficient and put yourself in a position to have great things happen to you.
1: I've always said, if you like a challenge, get in racing because that's a major challenge
0: <laughs> for sure. you <laughs> will <laughs> test everything you have, right?
1: That's right. Well, I in the seventy-five, then I. Then I was living in, in you know, in, on, back in Charlotte, living on Lake Norman and diving back and forth to Ellerby. And I and told him.
0: That's, that's a, that's a waste. Yeah. I was mean, a, L- that's in it, Rockingham, right? I it mean, that's.
1: He was 100 miles one way. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's a trip.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, I, then halfway through the season, you know, I remember first, uh, Larry, uh, Roger Pensky wanted me to come to work for him so i told lg i was going to going to work for roger and we had met at charlotte airport and had everything worked out and lg i'll never forget he sat on a box of pistons and for two hours later he had me convinced that i couldn't leave him till the end (laughs) of the year so anyway i did i stayed with him i had to call roger penske and tell him that i wouldn't be able to take a job which i hated because i thought the world roger Mm -hmm. now where
0: where was roger where was roger at at that point i mean I think
1: it Bobby Allison, best I remember, was driving the cars and yep. they had, they was going to switch over. They had a Matador and they was going to switch back to Ford or Chevrolet, right. whichever way they were going to go. That's
0: right. The Matador. That's when Bobby <laughs> was driving the Matador and that yeah. was Roger's deal at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: anyway, you know, it was, it, you know, and it was going to be a good deal because, you know, we're good owners oh, yeah. and not have to pinch pennies and all that. But anyway, I finally, I had, I gave in to him, and I told LG I'd stay to the end of the year. And then what, the last race was at Riverside, and we come back through Vegas. And I remember I was playing blackjack, sat there through the night. I didn't, I just sat down there with X amount of dollars. And I said, well, that's gone, I'm done too. And I couldn't get rid of that money. So I <laughs> st- <laughs> and <clears throat> anyway, LG come to me, and he said, let's have breakfast. <laughs> okay, so we go in there and I have breakfast. And he said, I've got it all figured out. I'm gonna buy you an airplane. You can fly back and forth. I said, "L.G., oh, I don't even have pilot license. Yeah, I know, but my man in Rockingham, he's he's an instructor, and he can get you your license. He'll get you figured worked out on that plane." I said, no, <laughs> L.G., I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. So anyway, I hate that. Hate to leave that man because yeah. I thought so much of him. But anyway, that's whenever I went to work for Harry Rainier.
0: Yeah, is that right? So so. That, at the end of the LG DeWitt deal, you didn't take the Roger Penske game. Right. And then that really was the start. And that was, what year was that you said? Yes. That was.
1: 77, 70, 76, I'd say. 76, there. So you were with so right Harry
0: And I remember, I remember those days, the Harry Vernier yep. days, right? Because I was just, I actually had just moved to Campobello, South Carolina, and was running a, a limited schedule in the Cup Series here, right? I've been through all the Winston West stuff. But I was on a limited schedule, so I was trying to get to the races and paying a great attention, and was going to the actual races to watch. Right, so I remember the Harry Rainier days, and uh-huh. you guys had a lot of success.
1: Yeah, first we had Lenny Pond driving a car, and then and then Baker came in in '79, and uh, and I remember Herb Knapp was there to start with, Herb, and then yeah. then he left. You know, he he didn't work, he didn't fit in with us, but anyway. I, well, you know, I've always been an engine builder, not a crew chief, <laughs> although worked on the race cars with Holman and Moody and all those years I was with the cars all the time.
0: So, your, you, so you understood the cars. Oh, so yeah. You knew what, you know, the geometry of the cars and what made them tick, right? So you, you, you just, you know, got all that experience on every facet of the car.
1: Yeah, I worked on aerodynamics with the Ford engineers. I remember when, back in the 68 and 69, Ford engineers, I was six of those guys. They were very smart to work with them, and they'd come and say, well, we can give you the parts, but we can't build engines like you guys can build engines. Mm -hmm. So anyway, but uh, that was, you know, Lenny Pond. I Then Baker, come in, and I remember we won Talladega with Lenny Pond. Mm Mm-hmm. So Berg came in, and then you know Harry—I mean harry Vanier came to me, and he said, "Well, buddy, you're going to be the general manager. You're going to be the crew chief, the engine builder. If the whole thing is yours, you worry with it." Wow. So I said, "Okay." So at the end of '79, there was only three of us in the shop.
0: Now, where where was this shop located at?
1: They're at the, at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah. In the back of the Goodyear building.
0: Uh-huh. Is that right? Wow.
1: So anyway, I remember in there, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't have nobody to an answer to. They can't tell me I can't do this or do that. And now I've learned about rolling resistance. I've learned about aerodynamics. I've worked in all those. So I said, you know, I'll I'll take this guy, this car, to to a friend of mine that used to work at home on Moody. And I'll show him exactly what I want on that race car. Cause I'm going to be building engines. I remember building that engine at least three to four times before I got what I was looking for. And then.
0: Now, what kind of things like, like at that point, right? I mean, this is you now got, you only got three people that you're, you're running this team with, right? right. And uh, you got buddy Baker at the helm right. and you said you take an engine and you have to rebuild it three times. I mean, can you give us a little insight and in, in really like what, what were you looking for? Right. And I well, mean, you, ev- you did everything. I, every time I'd run it and I'd see something
1: that I could make it better. I'd take it apart. Cause I remember working through Christmas and new year's and thinking I'm the only one that's working, but I know who I'm going up against at Daytona cause everybody brings the best to Daytona. Yep. And I said, you know, we've got to look good. And I knew with buddy Baker, you know, we didn't have no doubt about him. Cause he's, he was braver than Dick Tracy in Daytona and Talladega. He thrived on there.
0: Yeah, he was one of the best when he understood the draft and he was brave. And he you know, that was his forte, really. I mean, he he could get it done at Daytona and Talladega.
1: Oh, yeah. But anyway, we get, finally got it all together. And when I got the car back from the body shop, I had to go to it three or four times and said, no, take it back off. That's not what I'm looking for. And I'd pull strings down the side and show them. And finally, they got it to where I wanted it. And I said that long template, I want it to fit like a glove, because then you know everybody's pulling the nose, its nose way is way down. Right down. Yep. And now, now I'll tell you why I had it like that. Because that, you know, had cow pressure, yeah, pressure back, cow, cow pressure. pressure. Yep. And I said, when you pull that nose down, that kills the cow pressure. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to actually, if he'd raised it up a little, it suited me. But anyway, it fit like a glove, and I was happy with it. So anyway. We get our, we get more people in the shop finally, and then we load up and go to Daytona. And I remember the car was fast, like like it should be, and I'll never forget Sunday morning of the 500. Uh, Dick Vader called me into the garage. He paid me, and I went to the garage. He, and he all the, there was a bunch of people in there. And he run them all out. He said, "What else? Sit down over there. I'm going to tell you something. Ain't nobody here wants to run against that race car today." I said, Dick, there's nothing wrong with race. He said, We know we have
0: <coughs> They'd had they had that cover off of it, but every night. So, checking, they, so you're saying it at night, they took the cover off your car. Yeah, we'd always mark it. And you could tell if it'd been off or on it. So you so basically the car's in the garage and the car's the car cover's <coughs> on it. You've blocked it. You you've actually marked it so you know if the car cover comes off. So you're aware that NASCAR's going in there taking the cover off. And looking at this thing, with, to... like with a fine tooth comb, yeah. trying to figure out why this car is so fast.
1: I know in practice Saturday afternoon he was coming upon people so fast that they wouldn't see him coming, and it was scaring them. So we finally had to put some day glow on on the front of it so that it would show up, and yeah. yeah, so he could really see it coming. So anyway, when he told me, he said, "Well, ain't nobody wants to run again." I said, "Dick, there's nothing wrong with that race car." And I remember Bill France had come to me the morning. he morning I'd come in the garage he'd be standing over and say, "Oh your boy, hey, don't you know you're stinking up the show?" i said billy ain't nothing wrong with a race car it's a legal car, but everything I'd learned for all those ten years at home with Moody went into that race car like I was talking about aerodynamics, rolling
0: resistance, and everything mm-hmm. so anyway, during the five hundred now you sat on the pole you're yeah we're on the pole and how'd you And the qualifying race um, well, we won the the one twenty five. I don't. Donny. Donny won. donnie won a one twenty five there because he's on the outside pole, right? Yeah, he was on the outside. Cause yep. I
1: remember his car sitting right beside there, so was yep. on the pole. He is outside pole. Right. Yep. You're exactly right. But anyway, it. The you only know, other thing I didn't bring out whenever I went to pick up that race car, and uh brought it back to the shop. Then a couple of days later, I got a bill. $10,000. I said, dang, I could buy four race cars for that amount of money.
0: jeez. Oh, and so anyway, Harry, sh- you hadn't told Harry that. He's no. Sure.
1: Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, that'll get me fired. <laughs> so anyway, if it, you win. It, it really screwed me up at Daytona, because all I could think in the back of my mind is, they're $10,000 owed on this race car. How's this going to work out? So anyway, during the race, he, he Buddy just kind of played with him, and then he ended up winning the race without any problem. Yeah,
0: because Buddy... He had not won. He'd been so, I mean, this, I don't know, it's like maybe, I don't know how many races he'd been to, but he, a ton, right? I mean, he, he had always been in a position to win races. It just never happened for him.
1: He told me, he said, I've been trying for 19 years to win this Daytona 500. And I hadn't conquered it yet. And I remember the last pit stop, and he, I told him, I said, when I told him to pit, I said, now, buddy, I've got to get a can of gas in you. Give me six seconds because I knew it took about six to seven to dump a can. So anyway, whenever he stopped, I reached in through the window net to grabbed a hold of his top of his uniform like I'm going to hold him. That did, I didn't
0: want to know it.
1: I need him. to. But, but Buck began was a gas man. He hooked up back before but he stopped the car. And yep. he stopped, and I'm counting at four. And I, when I could hear the engine start revving up, I said, he's going to leave from here. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Buck stayed with it and got enough gas in it. To, but I was still concerned about what had no gonna, tires you guys oh you, no you, you
0: didn't just, change tires this was a like gas and go. Gas, gas and go yeah, yeah and that ultimately probably was what got because you guys ended up getting like a relatively good lead from that pit stop because I think a lot of other people were taking tires on
1: well that. see buddy had been I mean Bobby Allison been drafting buddy yeah and he was in bud moore's car yeah. so anyway when we made that stop and we come back out how we had about a nine second lead. Wow. And he stretched it out his 10 seconds, 11 seconds. I said, buddy. And then he come back on me. and he said, I can't hear you.
0: <laughs> he didn't want to <laughs> slow down. He didn't want to <laughs> slow
1: down. And I know that two laps to go, they threw the caution about a lap to go. And he didn't pay no attention to that. He was still wide open, that think. So when he got into Victor Lane, and he, I mean, he was, that was one of the happiest men I ever seen. Yeah, He's like Benny Parsons. He's the one that day on a 500. So was that
0: I, like, was that the only five hundred that, that that buddy won? As far as I know, it was. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was that was like a culmination of all those years. And like you say, I I know that feeling, right? I mean, you win the Daytona five hundred. I mean, it is something that you've dreamed about, <laughs> and it's the biggest thing, and it probably means the most to most all these race car drivers, right? I mean, it's and he, for him, I think he was really he was really taken back by it. I know being the to build
1: a crew chief on that car and seeing it come out of turn four and head to the checkered flag, <coughs> there's no feeling like that. Yeah, yeah. You've accomplished it. But anyway, we're going to Victor Lane, and Buddy, I mean, he's beside himself, and Harry Ranier was staying over there. But me and them, one of the NASCAR officials walked over to Harry and told us, he said, well, you just set a brand new record today for the fastest 500 miles. Which still stands today. today. Yeah, and then suddenly, also for money, you've won one hundred and three thousand dollars. I, I said, no, Harry, you've won ninety-three oh ten fat race car.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you get that look of what <laughs> that cock of that head. I'll yeah. be
1: as happy as he was. He didn't care.
0: Yeah, I'm sure of that. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah, that got you off the hook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that was one of the great outings. And then you know, I know when. Got year we won Michigan with him. We we won other races, and the biggest race that we won was Buddy Baker at Martinsville. Now Richard Petty owned Martinsville, right, yeah. And nobody could outrun him at Martinsville. So I know Buddy was in our race car, and I know that he was either on the gas or off the gas, and he wouldn't, he couldn't finesse a race car. He didn't. That wasn't him. Mm-hmm. He wanted to run wide open. Yeah, <laughs> So I'm thinking, how are we going to get him to go to Martinville and win that race? Or was good, don't win. I wasn't even thinking about that, not right. with Richard Petty, because yeah. he had won 10 or 12 races in a row. So anyway, I said, well, I'm going to build an engine, and I'm going to build it. No bottom end. When he gets in that flat foot, it's not going to spin the tires. Yeah. But when he gets it straight, it's going to
0: zip down that straightaway. Yeah. No torque, but just put it all up top. <clears> you know?
1: Yep. So anyway, I built that engine I rolled it out there to them boys to put it in the car. And they looked at me and they looked at that engine and they knew the parts that was on it was for Daytona and Talladega. We're not going to Daytona and Talladega. Nope, just put it in the car and don't worry about it. So they did. And we ended up, uh, the last 30 or 40 laps, we led that race and Richard Petty is behind us, but he never could pass it. But I know Bobby Allison told me later, he said, that's the only car I've ever seen in my life that could pull out past me down the back stretch and and clear me <laughs> but it would he'd run down that straightaway yeah. and then time richard get there and get his hemmed up you know baker's gone again yeah but that that was one of the biggest surprises of my life take buddy baker when right martinville over richard petty
0: well i mean that was right there i mean that's the guy you, understanding you know what you have as a driver what his deficiencies are right and you have the ability to detune a motor or, or do something where you can move the the power range right get right. the torque out of the thing so it doesn't light the tire up and then you know he put this he put his little big foot down and that little girl would <laughs> run the other end right out the back door yeah by the time he got it
1: straight so whenever was about the time the power range would start kicking yeah. in and way he'd go wow
0: good for him That was amazing yeah that that had to be a very a big win for you guys right because oh like it was say, somebody that was winning at Daytona Talladega and and not as as proficient at a short track go out there and, and beat the king there
1: yeah See, the amazing thing about it when it's over Boys on there, the other cars, crew chiefs come to me and said, How on earth did you do that?
0: Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that blew
1: everybody's mind.
0: Yeah, that's pretty rewarding, huh? Yeah, yep. I'm sure Buddy was elated too. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Wow, well, yeah. So now that, what, what you So that was the late 70s, is that correct? Now right. that, no, I'd
1: probably, nope. I probably probably and it, was it was might 80, be 80. No, that was 80, 80 that was, just,
0: that's right, because you won the day 2500, that was yeah, 80. Yeah, yep. so so you're so you're still with Rainier at that point, right right and does buddy does buddy stay with you guys uh for very long or do you guys make a change or
1: what, no what, we end up we ended up with uh Bobby Allison driving a car
0: uh-huh now mm-hmm. what what would what would constitute that kind of a change at that point right was that a collective thing between you and and Harry or is it that buddy wanted to do something different what was the, I, what was the decision uh, point uh, at?
1: thinking back I don't recall exactly how that took yep. place and why you know we bobby was gone and then benny came in and uh he was with us since 81 82 somewhere right in there yeah
0: because you end up with kale because kale comes well in. He, he was after that he so. was after that yeah right? yeah So
1: i remember we ended up with
0: bobby bobby in 81 <laughs> 82 in that range and then Benny. 81 81
1: yeah then 82 benny and then yep. 83 kale because I remember Bobby, we won a bunch of races with him. Mm-hmm. And, we, and then uh, he left. And But I remember, what am I going to tell you?
0: They were always looking, drivers were always looking for um, another, another way to win races or what they thought was the best. Were they quick to move back then to look for opportunities? Were they just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if they thought somebody else had an edge for whatever reason that was. They were quick to move. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So They
1: would. If they, You know, everybody wants to get in a fast race car. Yeah, everybody all drivers wants to, win. to Yeah. But I remember when Benny was driving it in 82, and we were at Talladega, and we broke 200 mile an hour for the first time anybody ever broke ever 200 mile an hour.
0: Yeah.
1: And I didn't think nothing about it when we done it. We're just on the pole. That's what you're trying to do is sell on every pole. What, like, body,
0: what body style was that then?
1: That was a Pontiac Le Mans. Le Mans, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the old Le Mans, yeah. So anyway, you know, we'd had so much trouble a year before with Bobby at Daytona when I brought that Pontiac Le Mans down there, and and uh, they didn't like that at all. And I remember a bunch of the drivers went outside the, the office out there of NASCAR and brought Bill France back in there and said, well, how would you come up with this Pontiac Le Mans? I said, well, here's a list signed by Bill Gasway, and Bill was standing there too. Said, you know, it's a legal car, Pontiac Le Mans, a Pontiac uh, whatever the other one was. They have two different body styles. Mm-hmm. So, but that Pontiac Le Mans was a fastback. So kind of sloped back window <coughs> yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. could you not take it home and bring another car back? I said, this is all I got. So anyway, he couldn't say to because it's a legal car.
0: Yeah.
1: So anyway, they didn't find a car in the state of Florida for that they could make a template off of they find one found one in georgia got it down there and we sit there for a day and a half or so before we could, we didn't even get on race and.
0: so they this is for daytona or is it right or no and, yeah, yeah for, the for the 500 yeah so they actually send somebody to find the actual Le Mans in georgia to bring down it so they can build a template off the silhouette the over, right the overall template right? that's it
1: overall because
0: that's what they're worried about they really didn't have much else right i mean you no. guys right so They do that, and you don't let you on the racetrack at all until they get the template to put on that car.
1: That's right. And we probably got a few minutes to go out there, made a couple laps, got a plug check, and that was it. Wow. Well, then then we go out there and set on the pole, and that really turned them upside down. They didn't like that at all. And that was
0: over 200 miles an hour. No, No. not that time. Not quite that
1: time. It was the year before Talladega went broke 200 with Benny Benny Parsons for the first time. Anybody went over 200. But anyway... It was, uh, we led that thing all day and it still irks me today. The last pit stop, we calculated it wrong and, we, and I told them to pit. And then coming down the back stretch after I told them to pit, they run out of gas. Oh. And then Richard won the race and we run second. That hurts today.
0: Oh, yeah. Still yeah. today. Oh, yeah. I think about that. One got away. Yeah. Isn't that funny how you can remember those things so vividly, right? You know what I mean? And you know exactly. The moment, the time, and the decision, and then, you know, the outcome. is It's not what you what
1: you Right. Mean. But anyway, go then the next year in 82, whenever we, you know, set the record at Talladega, first time anybody broke 200 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think nothing about it. So some of the guys come to me and said, you "Get you get us some wild spices. So for the weekend, I said, yeah, so I'll start. As we're leaving that afternoon, I go to, out to the garage. Or, I mean, the office is outside the, the racetrack. And I'm telling you, they have still hoop and hollering. Said you won't believe the phones hadn't stopped ringing selling tickets because that 200 miles mile an hour was a magic barrier. number. That barrier, that was the barrier, yeah. right? Yeah, that was it. That's yeah. what I
0: wanted. But then, now back then, at 200 miles an hour, right? Just to put it in perspective for the listeners. Right here, you are. That's no, that's 1982. Right? Mm-hmm, right, And you go 200 miles an hour with these big, huge cars. I mean, these, these cars are big, right? Right. And, and what, what we will base for those. Well, so that was a hundred and, uh, on, best to remember. I remember is 110.: 10 or, yeah, or one twelve or something like that. So now how much power were those things making back? There's 358 cubic inches, right? Right. Oh yeah. And, and they're unrestricted, right? This right. was, this was still everything you could, what everything you could make out of 358 cubic inches. Right. So how much power do, were you making back then? ah uh, i can't remember that part of it yeah. you know uh-huh.
1: you know it's just every engine i built was trying to make, make it more. more than the last yeah right and we just kept to go 200 along.
0: miles an hour i mean that was that was an amazing feat oh yeah wow
1: but anyway we ended up not winning the race and that had really we had the car that was so fast to come down there the last and i asked benny if you know we'd let it that day all about every lap of it and uh so the car should come out, and I asked him, I said, "Were you want to pit? And he said, no. I said, okay, because it wasn't too far to the end of the race. And uh, in the second lap, he came out and said, yeah, I think I'll pit. So we changed tires on it, go back out, and he's fourth or fifth, and then before he gets to turn one, he done not pass them all back, and he's in the lead again. But then he figured he didn't, he wasn't sure about the drafting, and he pulled over and let him pass him, and he figured he could pass them back, and It didn't, you know, that didn't work. It didn't happen. No, we we didn't win the
0: race. And anyway, yeah, not a good day. Right. (laughs) So that was 1982. Yep. And uh, as we alluded to earlier, right. And there's always a changing of drivers, right? right. And it seems like for whatever reason, decisions are made. And I mean, it still happens today, you know, but you know, there's longer term contracts, but back then, did they have contracts for drivers or did they really just kind of have like a Unwritten agreement deal this, where they showed
1: up, and most of the time it was just you know, this agreement, right? So they could you leave word of mouth, you know, just right. this is what so we'll do, come and in, yeah. We'll just shake hands, shake hands, yeah, a handshake. But anyway, I'll never forget. Kel Yarber came to me the year before, and he said, Dang, what I want to drive that race car. And at that same race, this is this year now in seventy eighty two. 82 he come over to me and he said, damn it, what hell I'm drive that race car. And that's the first time he'd ever said something like that to me. I said, are you serious? And he said, yes, I'm serious.
0: I said, you got the right. Well, I want to stop there on this first uh, episode because yeah, I think it's a key moment for you guys there, right, in 83. The combination of you and Cale Yarborough, Harry yeah. Rainier, right, and right. then when you go to Daytona. I want to speak to that. Uh, in depth here. So okay. um, we'll stop here and uh, we'll, uh, we'll go on in uh, part two of this. And I want to thank you because that has been some exciting things. And wow, I mean, an in-depth view of really what happened through the, you know, the 60s, the 70s, and now leading to the, the heyday of the 80s. Right. We'll stop there. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Hope double zero and leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.